Scene 1. The Early Lunch Part 1. 9.58am. The 3rd of October 2049. We are led into a construction site that is almost complete. We see Leah in the building speaking to the architect of the project as he clearly is the only other person wearing nice clothes other than Leah. Leah, I need this done. We are planning to open up this place in less than two months. We already got all the licenses we need. Architect, we'll get it done. Leah, actions Ted. I want actions, not words. Architect, we are going as fast as we can. Leah, that's a lie. I know that you are most certainly taking longer than you should be. Pick up the pace. This isn't a new highway on 77. It shouldn't be taking this long. Architect, you all heard the lady. Pick up the pace. She's, she's this close to cutting my nuts off and yours are next. Leah, thank you Ted. I appreciate it. Architect. Sure thing Miss Hernandez. Leah's phone rings. She checks who it is and smiles as she raises it to her ear. Leah. Hello. Ray. How are you this morning baby? Leah. I'm a little on the edge but I slept good and everything. I just finished my coffee for the morning. How about you? Ray. I'm just here at the office you know. The usual morning. I didn't have a big breakfast today so I might catch lunch a couple minutes earlier than usual. Would you like to join me? Leah. Are you inviting me? Ray. I'm ordering you. Leah. Haha. I like that. Yeah sure hon where do you want to meet up? Ray. What about that sandwich shop we went to last time? Leah. Alright. I'll meet you there in about 30. Ray. Yeah in about 30. Leah, I love you. Ray, I love you more. Leah, we'll see how ha. Bye. Ray, bye. We then see Ray and Leah kiss each other as they both arrive to the place at the same time. They then enter the place and in the corner they see Alejandra sitting down with an old man. It's Don Rogelio. Alejandra notices them right off the bat. He smiles and excuses himself to go speak to them as they take their seats. Alejandra. What are you all doing here? Leah. Just a little lunch. What are you doing here? Alejandra. I just came to have lunch too. With an old friend of mine. Rogelio. Sharp. Ray. You all should join us. Alejandra. I. I don't know Rogelio. Can be a bit irritable. Ray, please, you must join us, Alejandra, well, alright then, I greatly appreciate it, let me tell him, Alejandra, walks back and takes a quick seat to speak to Don Rogelio, Alejandra, sharp, my daughter and her boyfriend are insisting we join them, Don Rogelio, I'm not a fan of people my boy, Alejandra, I know, but please. Don Rogelio. Fine. Only because I love you boy. Let's go join the kids. Alejandra. I don't think I have to tell you that. Don Rogelio. I know. I know. Don't mention nothing about work. Got it. Alejandra. I'll take our drinks. Ray. 
and Leah combine two tables as they take their seats with Don Rogelio and Alejandro. Everyone smiles at one another. Don Rogelio shakes hands with each of them as the camera pans back slowly. The screen goes black. Momentarily. Scene 2. The Debate Part 1. 9.04am. The 3rd of October 2049. We open up to the five future candidates. They sit at the table talking as Andrew and Mr. Yao enter the room. The doors make a loud noise as they walk in. Andrew. Good morning. Good morning. All of the suits. Good morning. Buenos dias. Top of the morning. Good morning. Good morning Mr. Hernandez. Mr. Yao. Nice to meet you all. My name is Mr. Yao. They all stand up and reach out to shake his hand. He shakes each of their hands. Mr. Yao. Ha ha. Nice to meet you all. These are the finest set of lawyers that I've seen in a while. Are we all ready for a little debate? Suit 2. Yes sir. Yes sir. Ready as can be. Mr. Yao. Good. Good. We should have another three associates joining us soon. Andrew will be the judge to decide whose argument wins but we are only here to observe. Best of luck to you all. Suit 5. Thank you Mr. Yao. Appreciate it. It's an honor to get to work in front of someone such as yourself. Mr. Yao. Thank you son. I like you but ass kissing won't get you this job. Your words. The way one stands upright. The way one is able to convey emotion to an audience. That's what I want to see. Three other associates begin walking in and taking their seats as Andrew begins talking. Andrew. Alright. We have five of you here today. Five of the best lawyers any firm would be lucky to have. Unfortunately. We cannot hire all of you. We can only hire three of you. We started with two women and six gentlemen. We are down to one woman and three gentlemen. One of the women has already been hired. A huge congratulations are in order for Miss Jessica Flores. Everyone in the rooms claps as Jessica smiles and nods her head. The camera goes back to show Andrew sparking in front of everyone. Andrew. Now, I didn't tell you who you would be teamed up with nor did I tell you what the debate would be about. Correct? All of the suits. Yes. Andrew. Okay. Miss Violet King. You will be paired up with Mr. Michael Jimenez. That selection was made at random earlier today before I came down here. Just so everyone knows that. That means Mr. Victor Steele will be teamed up with Mr. William Kemper. They move next to their partner in crime. Each team smiles at their partner and bats eyes to the opposing team. Only one team can win and get the job. Victor, what will the debate be about? Andrew, I thought long and hard about this. As a fellow lawyer myself, along with everyone else in this room, We've had hard times on us. We all have at one point or another. What helped us get through those times? Alcohol. The prompt is simple. The drinking age in America is 21 and over. Do you believe it should be lowered to 18? King's team will side no. 
Steel's team will side with yes. You have 10 minutes to exit this room and discuss with your partner. When the 10 minutes are up, each team will have its moments to shine. Let's see which team convinces me. Go. All four members stand up and almost speed walk out of the room. Andrew and everyone else stay seated at the meeting table. Mr. Yal taps Andrew on the shoulder. Mr. Yal, looks like this will be an interesting debate. Andrew, it's going to be good. Let's see who makes the better argument. Mr. Yal, we never had this type of hiring process when I was up and coming. I do believe it would have made it much more exciting. Debates with your fellow peers. Good good stuff. Andrew. Thank you Mr. Yal. Mr. Yal. Oh my. I almost forgot to apologize for not being able to make it to the birthday party of your nephew my boy. I wanted to be there but one thing led to another and I wasn't able to make it. Andrew. No worries sir. You're forgiven but when it's my daughter's birthday I expect you to be there. Mr. Yal. It's too bad that I didn't get the opportunity to formally meet your father. Andrew. He was talking to everyone that day. I think he would have loved talking to you. Mr. Yal's phone starts ringing loudly in his pocket. He reaches for it quickly as he smiles. He pulls it out of his left pocket and stares at it. He quickly answers it and raises it to his ear. Mr. Yal. Excuse me. I'll be right back. He stands up and walks out of the meeting room as the camera shows both teams return with still a minute or two to spare. Andrew. Ready Violet? Violet. I think so. Michael. We might have this one in the bag Mr. Hernandez. Victor. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. William. Pride may just cost you the path to victory. Andrew. Time's up. Victor and William will go first. Let's see what they got. Andrew smiles as the camera pans back slowly. Victor and William stand up from their seats and begin walking to the end of the table. They nod to one another as the screen goes black. Scene 3. Sharp's descent from the throne. 8.01pm. The 10th of September. 2037. We are taken to Don Rogelio. In a black vehicle sitting in the back seat with a gentleman wearing nothing but a black polo with jeans. We don't get a look at his face, but we see Mike. Look in the rear view mirror to see them as Mike sits in the front seat instructing the driver where to go and where to make a turn. Don Rogelio, should we be worried Alvarez? We now know the man is Mr. Alvarez. Mr. Alvarez. Number. We have no reason to worry. We'll handle it. It's a simple sit down and talk. Nothing too big. Don Rogelio. Look at this kid. Ro. I love you kid you know that? Haha. <laughs> I love you too Mikey. My boys. You all my boys. You two are more my children than my actual children. Pinches Malagrasidus my kids. I love them. I do. But they never appreciated anything I did. Ever. I gave them more than anybody could ask for and look at them now. Growing up and leaving. I don't doubt my wife's on the way out to her. 
I love you too, Mr. Alvarez. I think you drank a little too much today, Don Rogelio. Maybe I did. I've been, I, I've been drinking a lot these past few days. I've been reckless my whole life. I lived by my own rules and I'm the Don. Don Rogelio. Sharp. It'd be nice if one day we had somebody in my position that was responsible and cared more about being the Don. If they, if they brought respectability to this. Maybe someday. I don't know. Mike. We're here Don Rogelio. Open the Don's door and help him up the steps. This is what happens when he drinks like a fucking seal. The driver then steps out of the driver's seat and opens the door for Don Rogelio. As he steps out and wishes them well on their journey. Don Rogelio. Laughs drunkenly at Mike's comment. Don Rogelio. Have a good trip you too. Don Rogelio. Is then helped out by the driver from the vehicle and is helped up the steps as he almost falls and brings along the driver with him. Mike. He wanted me to keep this house. Mr. Alvarez. It's a nice house. Mike. My kids would have loved this house. Mr. Alvarez. I'm sure they like the house they have now. Mike. I like the house I have now. But this house. This house has so many memories. I had a tire swing over there on that tree but when the rope ripped. Nobody ever got around to fixing it. I fired my first gun in the backyard right there. The truck begins pulling out of the driveway. Mr. Alvarez. He offered to sell it to me a while back. Mike. I don't know why the fuck he would do that. Mr. Alvarez. There's no need to be an asshole. Mike. It's who I am and it's who I've always been. Deal with it. We get a view of the area all around and they're surrounded by trees and wildlife. A deer or a bear could cross the road at any minute and just cause a whole mess on the roadway. The black. Truck continues driving as the sky begins getting darker and darker. Mike. I don't understand why the Don tells you those things. The Don almost stepped out of his suit and kissed your ass. I know he sees his replacement more and more every day. Mr. Alvarez. You will make a good Don one day Mike. Mike. I think I would have Alvarez. If it weren't for you. Mr. Alvarez. What is that supposed to mean? Mike. You're his golden boy asshole. Mr. Alvarez. I'm not his golden boy. Mike. If you can't see that he's grooming you for something bigger than you could imagine. You are one stupid asshole. Mr. Alvarez. You think he'd want to make me his replacement? Mike. It's obvious. Mr. Alvarez. I don't think I'd want to be the Don. Mike. That's a fucking lie. We all would love to be the Don. Who wouldn't want to be the Don Hug? You wouldn't understand because you have nothing. And no one. Mr. Alvarez. I mean. It didn't need to be said like that. Mike. You really don't have anyone? Mr. Alvarez. They're gone now. Mike. Who's gone? Mr. Alvarez. All of them. Are gone. I left them behind. Mike, what does that mean? Mr. Alvarez, I can sometimes recall moments and little past scenes of my life but I have forgotten so many things of my old life. 
The only way I remember things is by reading my old journals. That's the only way I remember the life I used to live. The life I used to have. Mike, what should we get after? I'm thinking a good steak. It's been months since I've had one of those. Mr. Alvarez, a steak ain't a bad choice. How do you like it? Mike, I like it medium rare with just the right amount of blood. Not too much blood, but just the right amount of blood. Mr. Alvarez, ha, you blood-sucking bastard. Mike, I like the taste, what can I say? They pull into a dirt road as the driver begins driving slower. The vehicle momentarily comes to a full stop as we can see two other vehicles parked along a warehouse. Mike, exits the vehicle first with Mr. Alvarez behind him. Mike, that'll be all, he says to the driver. The driver makes a U-turn and drives back onto the dirt road leaving the scene. Mike and Alvarez walk along the side of the warehouse and enter the warehouse as the door slowly closes behind them with a loud thud. We then see inside the warehouse and in the distance there is a table with five men seated. The man in the middle is the only one that wears a suit so he must be somebody high in the rankings. Mike. Chucky. Chucky. Mike. Mike. How are you my friend? Chucky. Not good kid. You remember my guys. Rick. Zack. Milo. And Joe. They all shake Mike's hand along with Alvarez's hand. Mr. Alvarez. It's good to see you Chucky. We've only spoken on the phone with each other but I've heard a lot about you. Chucky. And you are? Alvarez. Mr. Alvarez. Chucky. My god. The Mr. Alvarez? Alvarez. Yes sir. Chucky. Forgive me. Of course. I've only heard the stories. This kid is a fucking killer. It's a pleasure to meet you. Sorry about the circumstances haha. Mike. Well. What's the problem Chucky? Chucky, there's a big problem. I only have these meetings when it's big bad shit problems. When was the last time I met with you or Don Rogelio? Mike, in person. I would say about 7 or 8 years ago. Maybe even 9. It's been a long time really. Chucky, one of the contacts I got is that they're going to indict about 30 plus officers in Villarreal's department. Mike. Oh shit. Chucky. They also supposedly started taking members of other families and that they have eyewitness testimony that is going to bring a good number of families to crumble and dissolve. Mr. Alvarez. That sounds bad. Chucky. Fucking bad kid. The word around the street is that even Sharp's name is being tossed around in there. If someone has evidence to back up what they are claiming. The Don could very well end up getting locked up. I'm telling you this because I've known you for a long time kid and you should get out before it gets ugly. I'm going to go away with the family and take them on a trip to Europe and see where else we can go live in peace. I could be next and I can't risk it kid. I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm getting grey hairs and there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. Mike. There's no need to worry Chucky. I'm sure these are just rumors. Chucky. Kid. I have people on the inside. 
These people don't lie to me or make this shit up. They're willing to give up a lot of associates of Don Rogelio. So that means that there's probably a rat in your family. You all need to be alert and have your eyes open. Mike. We know the truth Chucky. Chucky. What truth? Mike. We know you're the rat in the pack. Chucky. I like cheese but I ain't no fucking rat. Mike. Sharp. Thinks otherwise. Chucky. Well. Tell him he's fucking wrong and that he has no idea what he's talking about. Alvarez takes Mike. To the side and speaks quietly. Mr. Alvarez. He didn't tell us that. What the hell are you talking about? Mike. He didn't tell you this but he told me. He wanted me to handle it or. You know. Us to handle it. Mr. Alvarez. Why did he only tell you? He would have told me this Mike. Mike. He told me because I'm the next in line Alvarez. You said it yourself. I'll be the next on. Won't I? Stand down and know your place. They get back to where they were and begin speaking to the five people. Chucky. Look guys. I don't know if Don Rogelio is smoking crack because if he thinks for one second that I betrayed this fam. A gunshot was fired right into Chucky's head right between the eyes as the camera shows Alvarez pick up his gun as the four men point their weapons at Alvarez and Mike. Mike. Stand down kids. You are speaking to the future Don. Your boss was a fucking traitor and my boss knew it. He said it himself. The four men look at each other and slowly lower their guns as Mike. Also lowers his gun as a sign that he's not going to shoot them. Alvarez also lowers his gun cautiously. Man 1. Why should we believe what you tell us? Alvarez. Don Rogelio. Can confirm this. Let me call him. Man 2. Put him on speaker. Alvarez begins dialing Don Rogelio. As Mike. Quickly pulls out his gun and shoots all four of them quickly as he points his gun steadily at Alvarez. Alvarez puts his phone down on the ground as the call goes to voicemail. He stands up slowly not knowing what or why Mike just did what he did. Alvarez. The Don never said that, did he? Mike. Ding. 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 Alvarez. What he said was true, wasn't it? Mike. It might be. Alvarez. Why? Mike. Do I have to have to a specific motive? Alvarez. Jealousy? Mike. I'm not jealous of anyone. Alvarez. You're jealous. I overheard the meetings Mike. I know they want me to be the next in line but I would gladly decline and let you have it. You can have it. You could have had it. How are we going to explain this to Don Rogelio? Now that you made this big mess. Huh. Now it's a little too late. Mike. They don't want me. They never wanted me to be the next in line. They groomed me ever since I was a boy and they lied to me. Every single one of them. They made me believe that I was going to have the whole cake when I grew up but guess what. I'm all grown up and they don't want me. They don't want the kid that actually grew up and was raised by Don Rogelio, himself. They want the fucking kid that Don Rogelio, found one lucky night. Alvarez, why don't you kill me already? Just shoot me. Mike, 
I'll do one better. The police should be arriving any minute soon. You have two options. Either join me or get arrested. Mike fires his weapon at the bodies a couple of times as his gun is now empty and he slowly wipes it of fingerprints with a cloth he pulls from his back pocket and then throws it on the floor. Alvarez. What if I kill you with my gun instead? Alvarez pulls out his gun that has full ammo which is around 12 bullets. Mike. Kill me and what's to stop them from thinking you didn't do this? Alvarez. How could you do this? You were like a brother to me. Don Rogelio. Was basically your father. Mike. Yeah. Well he lied to me. I have spent my whole life believing that one day I would be the Don but I was played. Well. No more. I gave a bunch of Villarreal's men and a bunch of our guys. This empire will crumble Alvarez. Mark my words daddy's boy. We then see five police cars pulling into the dirt road as Alvarez points his gun at Mike. With Mike. Just having his hands up in the air almost as if Alvarez did everything. Alvarez starts running towards the other exit as the five police cars leave their sirens off to not attract attention to themselves. Alvarez exits the warehouse with the audience being able to see that there are two police officers in each patrol unit. All the officers slowly exit their cars and draw their weapons as Alvarez hides on one side of the warehouse. One of the officers has a rifle and begins walking to the entrance door that Mike and Alvarez entered in. The other officers are told to go along all the sides of the warehouse. One of the officers sees Alvarez and Alvarez tucks his weapon away because he doesn't want to kill officers. The officer fires his weapon as Alvarez ducks behind a car. Officer 1 I got a runner. He's hiding behind the red suburban. Identify yourself. Alvarez slowly stands up as we see a knife in his hand. He then quickly throws the knife at the officer's chest as the other officers start running towards him. He's able to take the officer's gun and starts firing the guns at the officers but not aiming to kill. He's aiming to scare them. He pulls out another knife and pops one tire of every police car. He then begins running in the field as fast as he could. He doesn't even stop to look back. We then get taken back to Mike. And the officers speaking with Mike. In handcuffs. Officer 2. You're saying he did all of this? He killed 5 guys? Mike. He just lost it. He's a fucking maniac that one. He's the Don's chosen one. Officer 2. Do you know this area well? Mike. Somewhat. Officer 2. One of the officers said he got a shot in him. Mike. There's nothing but dirt for miles all around. I don't think he'd make it out of here. Not with a gunshot in him. Officer 2. What was this man's name again? Mike. Alvarez. Mr. Alvarez. Officer 2. You got a first name? Mike. I don't know his first name or his actual fucking name. No one does. Officer 2. I guess we'll keep looking. The screen goes black. And opens up to Mike. Sitting down and leaning back in his recliner chair. He smiles to himself. Charles enters the scene to hand him a glass of what looks like sweet tea. 
Charles, what are you thinking about sir? Mr. Black, I was this close, this close. They should have found him in those fields but they didn't. They didn't find the motherfucker. Charles, who sir? Mr. Black, Don Alejandra. Goldemez except in those days, he was known as Mr. Alvarez. Charles, ah yes, the golden boy. Mr. Black, you saw it too? Charles, everyone can see it. Black, takes a big sip of the sweet tea as the screen goes black. Scene 4. A new sheriff in town. 7.48am. The 18th of September. 2037. We are taken to a big flashy house with Don Rogelio, eating breakfast in his bathrobe. He eats in silence as we see photos of him with his family around the house. We then closer and closer to him devouring the cereal down his throat. His cell phone begins ringing loudly and he reaches for it. Don Rogelio, what's the update Villarreal? Villarreal, he's cooperating with the authorities. He says he's willing to say all these things in court but he's demanding witness protection. Don Rogelio, what the fuck is wrong with this kid? Ah, how could he do this to us? How could he do this to me? I raised that fucker since he was a little boy and he's turning his back on me. Villarreal, they asked him about you and he's willing to testify against you too. He hasn't mentioned me but he's willing to name all the officers that he has seen involved which is a little more than 30 of my men. Don Rogelio. Damn it. Villarreal. The governor called me and says he is arranging a meeting to meet with you immediately. Don Rogelio. Yeah. It was imminent. Villarreal. What do you think that's about? Don Rogelio. They are going to make me step down as head of this family. How dare they? I always called the meetings. I'm the reason they are where they are and this is how they treat me. The balls on the governor. How could they do this to me? How? Villarreal. Alvarez's name was mentioned too. Don Rogelio. Fuck. Fuck. The call slowly fades to Villarreal. Driving in his police car with his uniform on. We see him grip the wheel as he drives in complete silence. You can tell that by how few wrinkles he has. We are still in a flashback but it's not implied during what year or time Villarreal is driving. Villarreal. Voice over. Mike. Turned himself into the authorities. The trial began a little less than a year later 37 of my fellow officers were charged with countless charges that were true. Only a couple of them got arrested but the ripple effect played its course. He did end up giving up Rogelio's name up but he walked away with a slap on the wrist. The opposing team couldn't find any proof that Don Rogelio, Sharp, had done anything wrong or illegal. Don Rogelio was a smarter man than anybody gave him credit for. I of course knew that some of the things needed to be hidden and put away. He also bought off a couple of FBI agents to help him in that department. Although he wasn't charged, the powerful group of people he himself was a part of known in some places as the elite chambers, believed it was time for a replacement. They of course already had a replacement in mind. 
Don Rogelio, was stripped of his Don title in 2038 a little after the trial with Mike ended. He pleaded with them but they insisted he retire and let it be. That was the deal in order for him to walk away with no charges. I've only been to a handful of those meetings myself. They were always luxurious and they served the best fried shrimp I've ever eaten. My wife nor my recipe has ever come close. The man they wanted up on that throne was one of our own MR. Alvarez. The tragedy of it was that Alvarez was also named in the trial. Mike's testimony put a bounty on Alvarez's head. He was chased and looked for all over the United States but they never found him. They feared he had jumped across the border and it was a possibility that he did. It was as if he had disappeared off the face of the earth. He was sworn in as Don Rogelio's replacement nonetheless. He lived in God knows where for almost four full years. He called me at least once a week to update me and I would update him. He called about four years later and told me that he would be coming soon. By this time, I became sheriff of my city. I no longer drove around to arrest people but instead stood for something more. I always worked hard but I believe that it was a plan to have me as the sheriff. Somebody wanted me to be out in a higher position that I was all along. I remember faces but believe me when I tell you that I didn't recognize the man as he walked in. He wasn't the same man I once knew. Mr. Alvarez always wore regular clothes. He always dressed like a nobody, no disrespect to him. I was shocked to see a man with a suit and tie walk into the diner when he finally did come back. A man with class that I was certain I had never met before. Let me take you back. 8.03 AM. The 14th of July. 2041. We are taken back to the diner we saw in Sunnyside Up. The coffee smell fills the room and we see Villarreal. Enter the diner. He not wearing the same uniform as he used to and he looks a little older as we can clearly see a couple more grey hairs on his head as he takes off the hat. The door makes a noise as he enters and the door slowly closes behind him. Server. Good morning. Have a seat anywhere officer. We'll be right with you. Villarreal. Thank you. Villarreal. Takes a seat at a booth as we see him slowly take a seat. Sharp dressed man by ZZ Top begins playing in the background. We then see a man in a dark brown suit enter the diner. We don't get a look at his face but we see him walk in slowly with the camera focusing on his attire from different angles. The perfectly creased suit and the almost perfectly iron pants. We even notice that he has a watch on his wrist that sparkles. Villarreal. Takes a good look at him and doesn't believe what he's seeing. He now is within distance to the table and takes his seat. The man places his hands on the table as the music ends abruptly. The server begins walking towards them as we see her holding the coffee pot with two cups. Server. Coffee sir? Gentlemen. Yes please. Thank you very much darling. The server nods as then slowly comes to the table with two coffees. Villarreal. Who are you? Gentlemen. I'm the Don. Villarreal. It's a pleasure to finally see you after all these years. 
It's been a while. It's been a long time. Hasn't it? You, you look. Different. Good, but different. Villarreal. Prepares his coffee. Gentlemen. I feel different. I feel ecstatic. I feel, reborn. I finally was able to return to this place after so long. The investigation led them nowhere. Villarreal. No it didn't. They had no idea where you were. Neither did I quite frankly. Gentlemen. You were looking for me? Villarreal. Not necessarily. I just wanted to know that everything was fine. It was as if you disappeared off of the face of the earth. Gentlemen you are the first person that I officially make contact with Villarreal. There's a reason for that. You shall be my highest ranking official in my empire. You already get paid well but expect to get a raise soon enough. I've been conducting business behind the scenes so much I almost forget how exciting it is to actually be running the show. Villarreal. I can assume you had a role in myself being elected the sheriff? Gentlemen, I did have a big role in that but you should feel proud. Sheriff Villarreal. It always sounded nice didn't it? Villarreal. Huh. I suppose it does sound nice. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Gentlemen, you're welcome. Villarreal. I'm assuming you are no longer Alva. Mr. Alvarez. Number. That man is long gone. He's in hiding and he will stay in hiding. Villarreal. You look really different. I still can't believe who you are. Mr. Alvarez. It is a lot to take in but you'll get used to it. I did have her. Villarreal. Who are you now? Gentlemen. Alejandro. Don Alejandra. Goldemez. But you can call me Alex. Villarreal. Don Alejandra. Goldemez. I like it. What brings you back? Alejandra. A woman. The woman. The woman in the black. Dress. I left her a long long time ago. I told her I would come for her in the next lifetime and I have arrived in that lifetime. Villarreal. A romantic? Alejandra. Almost. Villarreal. What do you want to know about her? Alejandra. I've had a private investigator on her for years. I know everything there is to know about her. Villarreal. What do you want me to find out then? Alejandra. I want you to tell me if she looks happy. That's my first request that I will personally ask of you. You're romantic. You've been married almost 25 years. Anyone else I send couldn't understand. Villarreal. I'm your man. They both begin sipping their coffee. They continue talking and smiling as the screen goes black. Scene 5. The Early Lunch Part 2. 10.02 AM. The 3rd of October 2049. We are taken back to Don Rogelio. Sitting with Alejandro. And his daughter Leah. Along with her boyfriend. Ray. We get closer and closer to them. Leah. Nice to meet you sir. Don Rogelio. Tries to smile but he isn't that good at it. He doesn't ever smile so his smile looks fake and people can notice it right away. Don Rogelio. It's, it's nice to meet you. Alejandro's daughter I see. 
Yes. He, he constantly talks about his children. He has nothing but good things to say about you and your brother. My daughter. The businesswoman. The cook. The mother. He goes on and on ha ha. Alejandra. This is her boyfriend Don Rogelio. Ray. It's nice to meet you Rogelio. Don Rogelio. You can call me Mr. Sharp. It's a form of respect my boy. Ray. My apologies sir. Mr. Sharp. Then. Don Rogelio. Thank you son. No worries. No worries at all. It's nice to meet the two of you really. I can finally put faces to the two of you. Leah. How do you two know each other? Alejandra. Don Rogelio. Used to be my boss in the company I worked for. We've been close friends ever since. He's a bit of an aggressive old timer but believe me this man has got heart. He taught me everything this man haha. Don Rogelio. Yes. Alejandra. Wasn't quite the charmer he is today. I remember I used to wear suits too. Look at me now. Dressing like I'm on vacation in Florida. Ray. What's wrong with Florida? Don Rogelio. Fuck Florida. Don Rogelio. Takes a big chug of his iced tea. Leah. And Ray. Look at each other not knowing whether to laugh or be disgusted. Alejandra. Haha. <laughs> Leah. Well it's nice to know that my dad had somebody guiding him. My dad grew up in an orphanage so I can only imagine how lonely it must have been there. I'm sure he had those rough young years but without you sir. He wouldn't be where or who he is today. Would he? Don Rogelio. No. No he wouldn't. This kid was such a wreck when I am. Um, when he first started working for the company. He uh, He needed guidance. He needed a hug. He uh, He needed a father. Someone to tell him where to go next. If I can be honest for a moment. He's more my son than my actual son. Alejandra. I'm sure your son loves you Don Rogelio. Don Rogelio. Haha. <laughs> Please. My kids don't give a shit about me. I could die tomorrow and they wouldn't care. All they ever cared about was money. That's all they ever cared about. I used to be on top of the world kids but now. This. This life I live is just basically me. All alone. Don't get old kids. Alejandra. Now that can't be entirely true Don Rogelio. Life may a little rougher for you but you are by no means alone. I see you at least once a week. You make dinners occasionally. You are not alone. Don't be saying things that aren't true. Don Rogelio. Haha. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. Leah. It looks like you two have a lot of love for each other. Alejandra. I. You can say that. It's the years darling. This man was basically my father. Leah. Well how come you don't invite him to parties then? Alejandra. Haha. <laughs> I have. He hates parties. And people. Leah. Oh. Alejandra. What were you two doing here anyways? It's a bit early for lunch. Isn't it? Leah. I was at the construction site and Ray. Wanted an early lunch because he didn't eat breakfast. I'm down the street and he insisted I join him. Alejandra. Didn't you eat yesterday Ray? Ray. 
No I didn't. Haha. <laughs> I woke up late today and I thought why not invite my love to an early lunch you know? Don Rogelio. Huh. Love. Now that's a lie. I gave my wife everything. I gave her diamond pearls and gave her whatever in God's name she wanted. Leah. What happened to her? Don Rogelio. She left me. A couple years back she left me. She took half of my money and off she went. I haven't heard of her in years. I often wonder what happened to her. Leah. Did you love her? Don Rogelio. I did. At the beginning. Then she. And I. We should have separated long before we actually did separate. If love existed. Sure. I loved her but. I always felt that she didn't love me. She was a heartbreaker that one. Ray. I'm sorry Mr. Sharp. She sounds like she damaged you. Don Rogelio. She um. She did damage me. But I was already damaged. I never forget how she would act when she would drink. She was a cold stone bitch when she would drink. She um. She didn't drink that much when we first got together but as the years went on. She started to drink more and more. Alejandra. Hey now Don Rogelio. We can order you a drink if you're going to be going down that road. Don Rogelio. You're right. You're right. That's sad shit. What about you two? Ray. What about us? Don Rogelio. I see a ring a sparkly watch on her wrist but no ring. Ray. We've. We've mentioned it maybe once. We. We aren't there yet but we might be soon. Don Rogelio. I met the little boy a couple months back. What was his name? Brian. Yes Brian. He's a sweet kid that one. Leah. Oh. Thank you so much. Yeah he's always been a good kid. Don Rogelio. Yeah you know Alex always wants me to go to these parties or this party but I'm just not the type. Leah. Well. I'm sorry that you're not the type. You missed out a nice party for Brian. Don Rogelio. Oh yes. I heard. Hollywood themed. Alex is something special I'll tell you. Do you still have those stories Alex? Alejandra. What stories? Don Rogelio. Yeah. You know. Those stories about the kid. This kid was brilliant. He could sit down and write in his journal all afternoon. Leah. I've heard my dad mention that he likes writing but no I've never read any of his stuff. Don Rogelio. Yeah you should read some of his stuff. I'm not much of a reader myself but I've read pieces of them and I liked them. Ray. What are the stories about? Alejandra. Fiction mostly. Leah. You should publish them dad. Alejandra. Oh I don't know. My stuff isn't that good. Maybe one day. Don Rogelio. You've been saying that for so long kid. It's now or never. You should publish them. I mean you have the money. You would be a fool to not publish them. Alejandra. Maybe I'll look into it. Alejandro's phone starts ringing. He looks at it but ignores it. Alejandra. I forgot that I had another errand to run this afternoon. If you all would please excuse us. We have to go and run that errand. Are we still on for dinner on Thursday? Ray. 
I'll try to make it. I might have to work that day but I think I'll make it. Leah. I'll be there dad. Have a good day you too. It was nice meeting you Don Rogelio. Don Rogelio. It was nice meeting the two of you. Have good days. Don Rogelio. And Alejandra. Begin leaving the sandwich shop in a hurry. Alejandra. Have good days. They get closer to Alejandro's black SUV. Don Rogelio. Forget about that. What happened? Alejandra. They got a leg on Mike. They enter the SUV. Don Rogelio. What's the lead? The screen goes black. As they begin putting on their seatbelts and begin driving away. Scene 6. The Favor. 8.06 AM. The 18th of July. 2041. We see Villarreal. Driving in his police unit down the highway. We also see a steady amount of traffic as the sun barely begins to rise in the distance. Villarreal. Voice over. Don Alejandra. Goldemars. I always knew that kid was destined for greatness. I'm sure if Rogelio saw something, he saw something. He came back and soon we started meeting almost twice a week at that little coffee shop. We grew to love it. It was on the complete other side of town but I never minded and neither did he. Now I never mentioned what happened to Mike. Mike did get accepted into witness protection along with his family. I have yet to hear anything about him. I'm sure he'll rot in hell no matter where he lives. I've never fully understood what drove him to do all this to the family that loved him and raised him. Many say it was jealousy but I don't know. I never fully bought it. Maybe something snapped inside that kid during those times. I guess we'll never fully know. I saw that kid from when he was learning how to take a shit to when he first killed a man. I saw that kid grow up and become the piece of shit we all eventually become. Well, maybe not everyone but I'm sure you know what I mean. I never understood why he didn't bring me down. He never mentioned my name and he easily could have. He brought down a lot of people and caused so much shit to hit the fan but he didn't take me down along with all of them. If I ever saw him again, I'd kill the son of a bitch but I would want to know why not me. What makes me so special? I visit Don Rogelio. Almost every Saturday. He doesn't drink as much anymore but those soap operas got him wrapped around their finger. He's basically become a housewife except with no one else in the house. After he was forced to retire, his whole life came crashing down. His wife left him. His kids left to college and don't even visit him anymore. I can see why they don't visit his Grinch ass but it's their father. Tragically. I believe he failed at being a father and a husband. Maybe wanting power and money isn't the way to go in life. I like power and money, but is it everything? Not by a damn shot. I worry for those folks who always want more. I always worried for Don Rogelio. I even worried for Mike. Because he was groomed his whole life to be the next in line and I worried how far they were willing to corrupt their soul for things that don't even really matter in life. Don Alejandra has that twinkle in his eye too. 
I now have another person to worry for. I got a family too so maybe I shouldn't be worrying about these people but these people were my family too. I wanted them to succeed. I wanted them to realize the greater joys in life. None of them have shown that they really appreciate the greater joys in life. Maybe someday they'll realize the errors of their thinking. He drives off the highway and begins slowing down. He pulls into Frieza's corner market. He unbuckles his seatbelt and reaches for his wallet. Villarreal. I know I got my card around here somewhere. He scrambles through his wallet and then checks all his pockets and comes up empty. Villarreal. I guess I'll get off and pay cash. Villarreal. Exits his vehicle and begins walking to the entrance of Fresitas. We get a glimpse at a trashed up Volkswagen Beetle. He doesn't make any comment of it but it looks as if somebody prepped it to be painted and then it wasn't painted or hasn't been painted yet. We see the walls inside Fresitas and they are pink. It's bright inside the store. He walks down the aisle looking for something. You can hear his boot collide with the ground each time he takes a step. Woman. Are you looking for anything in particular? Villarreal. Well actually yes. We can now see that the woman is Frieza. A much younger but still equally attractive Frieza. She always knew how to dress up that one. Frieza. Do you need help looking for something officer? Villarreal. It's not a... It's not so much a need but more of a want haha. I'm looking for this type of chocolate. It's just one of my favorite chocolate. If not my favorite kind of chocolate. I know you usually sell it here but I don't see it on display. Here. Frieza. Ah yes. That specific chocolate we moved it to this section right over here. Follow me. We get a good look at Frieza's outfit and she shines in the store with the sunlight almost sparkling off of her. All eyes would be on her but everyone is in their own little world. She smiles at him as he follows her into another aisle. Frieza. Here we are. We moved them here a couple of days ago. One of my employees gave me the idea to put them right here. Villarreal. So everyone can see them. Frieza. Yes, exactly. I'll ring you up right over here officer. Oh I'm sorry, Sheriff. Villarreal. Officer, is just fine ma'am ha ha. You own this place all by yourself. Frieza. Yes ha ha. The construction of the second one is a couple of miles away down the road. It'll be $3.49. Villarreal. Well business must be good then. I'll also need $20 of gas please. Villarreal. Reaches into his pocket and hands her a 20 and a $5 bill. Frieza. Well. Yes. I can't complain. It does a little more than pay the bills haha. After I'm done with the second Frieza's. I need to invest in a paint job for my car out there. Villarreal. Which one is your car out there little lady? Frieza. The one that looks like shit. It's the Volkswagen Beetle parked right in the front. Villarreal. Oh okay. Well. I'm sure you'll eventually give that car a very nice deserving paint job. Frieza. I think so too. Villarreal. Let me guess pink. 
Freezer. I'm stuck between purple and pink. I'm thinking pink. I don't know. I might change my mind. Here's your change, Sheriff. Have a good day and hope to see you again sometime. Villarreal. It was a pleasure to meet you, ma'am. Freezer. You too, Sheriff. Villarreal. Exits Freezer's corner market and looks at her car and bats his eyes. He walks back to his police vehicle. He enters the car and turns it on momentarily. The engine can be heard loudly almost humming. He reaches for his phone and begins making a phone call as he raises it to his ear. Villarreal. I um. I had forgotten that I had met her before. Many many years ago. I'm sure she doesn't remember me. She's a very beautiful woman Alex. Alejandra. Does she? Does she look happy? Villarreal. I've been able to read people for a long time. Her smile was too bright to be fake. I'm sure it was real. Alejandra. That's, that's good. Maybe it's time for me and her to begin again since she's single now. Now is a better time than ever. Wouldn't you agree? Villarreal. Who are we to ignore love? Alejandra. You always knew what to say. A wise man always. Keep up the good work sheriff. I'll be in touch. The call ends. Villarreal. Adjusts his rear view mirror as we see his reflection for a moment. He winks at himself as he puts on his seatbelt. He places his phone in the cup holder and begins reversing as he exits the parking lot of Freesa's corner market. He turns on his right blinker as the screen goes black. Scene 7. The Debate Part 2. 9.20am. The 3rd of October 2049. We open up to a camera approaching two standing bodies as several people fill in the seats in the long table. Victor Steele and William Kemper stand and nod okay to the audience. Andrew. Why do you all believe the drinking age should be lower to 18 years old? William Kemper. Did you know that you can enroll in the military at 18 years old? You can sign up to serve your country during an unexpected war and maybe even die but god forbid that they are allowed to relax and cool off with one beer. Victor Steele. Did you know that you are allowed to vote at 18 years old? Sure voting is a luxury that people don't appreciate it enough but it's a right nonetheless. Did you also know that more than 38% of parents expect their 18 year old children to work and help pay off bills? Why? Are they perhaps trying to teach them to be responsible adults? William. What even defines an adult? Someone who can do whatever they want? Someone who has responsibilities and takes care of them? Someone who moves out of their parents home? I don't know about you but age is merely a number. Now lowering the drinking age to 18 is a crime. Many people are being told to act like adults and act their age but the people that are 25 aren't even acting their age. Research will tell you that alcohol in regulated amounts is good for you. Who doesn't have a long week? It's not just older people who have stress and worries 18 year olds have it too and now more than ever. Victor Steele. If the world wants 18 year olds to be more responsible and more mature, let's give them that chance. 
We all could use a beer every once in a while. I speak for both William and myself that we drank beer at 18 and yet here we are. We turned out just fine. Didn't we? Several people around the table nod to each other and mutter a couple of things. Andrew. Good. Now, let's hear the counter argument. Good job guys. Victor and William take their seats as Violet and Michael begin sitting up and walking to the end of the room. They stand in front of everyone. They whisper something to one another as they begin talking. Violet. Alcohol shouldn't be lowered to 18 because of the damage it can do to the young immature mind. More than 100,000 accidents are caused by drunk drivers between the ages of 18 to 20. We've been here before folks. Alcohol is simply poison. Does it make you feel good? Sure. Is it slowly destroying you? Or your family? Possibly. How many people started drinking one or two beers at 18? Sure. Some people will learn self-control and always drinking at a minimum but majority will not. Michael. The majority will drink excessively and cause car accidents. Alcohol poisoning. Liver damage. Possibly liver failure. And what about those that become alcoholics later in life? Alcoholism is no joke or laughing manner. It's one of the biggest problems in America right now. The last thing we need is to push this kind of narrative that 18 year olds should be allowed to cool off. Next we'll say we should lower it to 17. Then 16. Then 15. These laws were put there for a purpose 21 it stays. Violet. Did any of you have self control at 18? Number. Do you think your children will have self control at 18? Number. They won't 18 year olds cannot and I repeat. Cannot be trusted with self control. Yes. They be able to work. Pay rent. Vote. And even die for our country but the law is the law. I trust and abide by our government's laws. Do you? Michael. Did you know that one of the leading causes of pregnancy, rape, and unprotected sex in 18 year olds is alcohol? Studies show that all three of those are more possibly to happen if alcohol is involved in any way, shape, or form. Violet. The last thing this world needs is more pain and suffering. If a child wants to drink legally, they wait until they are of legal age. I don't who they are or what they do for a living. That doesn't justify underage drinking and never will. The camera shows Mr. Yal nods his head as he scratches his chin. He lets out a little cough as the camera returns to Andrew. Andrew. Well. Good stuff guys. Good stuff. You both can take your seats. Violet and Michael smile at each other as they go back to take their seats. Andrew. Jessica. Before I say my thoughts. I'd love to hear yours. Do remember that this isn't one of those biased things. You each were given a side and whether you agree with it or not, you fought for it. Being a lawyer is having to fight for your side regardless of how you feel about your client or company. You can't be biased. Your job is to win. That's your only job. To give the better argument. Jessica, before I say my thoughts, I'd love to hear yours. 
The camera turns to Jessica. Jessica. I believe both parties made some very good points. William and Victor were right to say what defines an adult. People really are 25 and act like fools sometimes. They pushed for the logical narrative because they didn't pull any statistics or studies. They clearly did research to push their points but didn't quote anyone directly. Violet and Michael were the opposite. They pushed for studies and statistics. William and Victor believed that they turned out fine because they drank at 18 but the truth is that that is not always the case. Not everyone turns out that way. Violet and Michael insisted that all 18 year olds do not have self control and I agree to a degree. Not all 18 year olds are bad or mischievous and drinking at 18 does not guarantee that you will get raped or pregnant. They were pushing with that one but I see where they are coming from. The truth is that I see where both are coming from. I would even go as far to say that it seems like a tie. I'm just glad to say that I am not the judge here because I wouldn't know who to side with. The camera goes back to Andrew. He smiles and lets out a little chuckle. Andrew. Boy oh boy. That was an interesting point of view Jessica. Both teams gave good arguments. There's no. There's no doubt about it in my mind but only one team can have the better argument. Only one team can win. Many future lawyers believe that they need quotes and statistics but you don't need that to convince a judge or a jury. You need to push a narrative. You want someone to hear what you say and think. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You need to convince them that you believe what you are saying. Violet and Michael. I think you two did an excellent job. The only point that threw me off from the two of you was the point about alcohol leading to a higher chance of unprotected sex, rape, and pregnancy. I believe you should have elaborated a little more on that. Victor and William. I think you two also did an excellent job. The only point that threw me off was the point about voting. I know voting wasn't always a right and you want to push the idea that young people have all these rights but it felt a little flat. The two lawyers I'm hiring are Victor and William. I'm hiring them because they told a story like every lawyer is supposed to do. Both teams had 10 minutes to study and prepare for what they said but both delivered. Both had little points that were EHH but good nonetheless. Thank you guys. Victor and William shake hands with one another smiling at one another. Mr. Yal stands up and claps as he goes over to shake hands with the both of them as the camera begins panning back. The screen goes black. Scene 8. One step closer to Mr. Black. 12.07pm. The 3rd of October 2049. The scene opens on John and Villarreal. Sitting inside John's car. They sit patiently as if waiting for something exciting to happen. We see that they are staring down a diner. Inside the diner. We see Mike. Sitting down with a couple of gentlemen. John. Should we go inside? Villarreal. Number. It could be a trap. We don't know if he has other people watching him. We shouldn't do anything until we have more backup. What's the update with everyone? John. He said he's on his way. 
Marco was doing his last drop and he said he'd rush over here after. What did the Don say about this? Villarreal. I texted him about the whole thing and all he said was sit still. John. I say we just bust inside. Villarreal. Be my guest kid. I wouldn't doubt that this crazy sob has a sniper watching outside of the diner as we speak right here. Right now. John. Mike's getting up to pay for his food. Villarreal. If he leaves, we'll follow him. We see Mike. Hand the cashier cash and he smiles as she gets his change. He looks outside of the diner quickly but doesn't see anything out of the ordinary. Mike. Yes. He has an earpiece in his ear. Mike. Oh. Should I be worried? It's just two of them. Who and who? He listens to the earpiece as they speak. Mike. If that kid steps out of the car. Shoots to kill. If the sheriff steps out. Obviously don't shoot. He's the fucking sheriff. You don't want an investigation on our asses. We have enough bad publicity and we don't want more. At that instant moment, Villarreal exits the vehicle and enters the diner still in his police uniform. Villarreal, how we doing today sir? Mr. Black, it's a nice day really officer. Villarreal, join the sheriff for a quick cup of coffee. Mr. Black, I'm good, I'm in a hurry. Random customer 1, did you just deny to share a cup of coffee with the sheriff? Random customer 2. Do you have no respect for our men in uniform? Random customer 1. What's the matter with you? Just share one cup with him at least. Have some respect for our officers. They risk their lives for us every day. Mr. Black. Fine. Fine. I'll have a small one. Black. Like that. I don't need creamer or sugar. Waitress. Villarreal. I'll have a decaf. They both sit oddly at a booth in the diner. Mr. Black. What the fuck do you want, Sheriff? Villarreal. I wish I had more answers than questions when it came to you. Mr. Black. Here we go. Villarreal. We used to be a family, Mike. All of us. Mr. Black. People change Villarreal. You among us should know that. Villarreal. How would I know that? Mr. Black, you know why you would know that. I don't have to remind you. Villarreal, please, refresh my memory. Mr. Black, the day at the farm. I know it was you that ended up finding Alvarez in the fields. God knows how you ended up finding him. You knew I was helping the search party. You could have killed me easily out there. I was an easy target and you were the only one who was out there that day claiming to being a part of the search party. You could have ended me but you didn't. You knew what I had done but you didn't do anything to me. You let me get away. That's the same reason why I didn't turn you into the FBI I thought. Maybe he's not such a bad guy after all. Villarreal. I should have killed you. Mr. Black. You should have killed me. Alejandra, should have killed me, hell, maybe I should have killed me, somebody should have done something but they didn't, if any of Alejandro's men enter this restaurant, I have snipers ready to shoot them down, 
tell them to not even try anything funny or their brains will get splattered all over the front door. The only reason I won't splatter your brains is because that last thing I need is attention right now. I have too much heat at the moment. The server brings the cups of coffee smiling at both of them. She hands each of them a cup. Server, you wanted a decaf right sir? Villarreal. Yes darling. The decaf one is mine. Villarreal. What's the plan Mike? Maybe we don't get you today. But you know that we'll get you eventually and do what we should have done long ago. Mr. Black. I've been wanting to die for a long time Villarreal. I have nothing left to live for. Well. I have a couple of things but it's not much. Number. No it isn't much. I have a couple of plans set in motion that are in motion as we speak Villarreal. Beware the Ides of March Sheriff. I'd be afraid if I were you. Everyone will pay. Everyone who helped bury me will suffer. It's about time you all learn the pain that I have suffered. Look at my hand. I have to wear a fucking glove. Your fucking boss put a hole in my hand. I can't even do anything anymore with my right hand. I'm right handed. I can't wipe my own ass. I can't write. I can't even fire a gun. Villarreal. Can you yank yourself at least? Mr. Black. I can't even hold a pen in my hand you piece of shit. Much less my wang. You wait Villarreal. You wait for the 15th of March because whatever you think will happen, won't. Mr. Black. Gets up and is about to walk away. Villarreal. Grabs him by the arm. Black. Turns his head slowly to look at him with eyes wide and open. Villarreal. You want some advice? I know Sharp. Fucked you up big time and you never fully learned right and wrong. Believe me. I saw all he did. Villarreal. Takes a deep breath and gives him a real serious look as he lets go of Mr. Black's arm. Villarreal. Leave and never come back Mike. It doesn't have to be this way. It never had to be this way. You can disappear where we'll never find you. Move on from this life of hate and suffering. Mr. Black. Aha. Right. Right. We have all made our choices and now we have to live with them. Have a good life sheriff. Until next time. Mr. Black. Exits the restaurant slowly adjusting his shirt. He waves at John. John. Can be seen flicking him off as Black. Laughs it off. Black's driver opens the door for Black. And lets him into the vehicle. The vehicle then begins driving away. Villarreal. Then slowly exits the diner staring into the distance and walks slowly to John's car and takes a deep breath as he enters John's car. John. Do we follow him? Villarreal. We should but we can't. John. Why not? Villarreal. Your left rear tire is punctured. Somebody must have punctured it. I didn't notice until I walked out of the diner. John. No way. John. Exits the vehicle and stares at the tire in disbelief. John. No fucking way man. John. Pulls at his hair as he grunts in anger. John. What a bunch of dicks. He continues the grunting with the anger slowly cooling down. John. What do we do? 
Villarreal. There's a tire shop a couple of blocks away. They have a wrecker that can do it quickly. One problem solved. Villarreal reaches for his phone. He begins dialing a number as the screen goes black. Scene 9. Summer school cleaning. 9.24 AM. The 16th of June 2014. We see Eric cleaning up a classroom with a handful of other students. One of them wipes down all the desks as some clean the board with spray. Another sprays Windex on the windows. Kid 1. What are you in for? Eric. I um. I was the one that pulled all that stuff on the last day of school. Kid 1. There's no fucking way you did all the stuff my guy. Eric. Well. I did. You don't need to believe me and I don't need you to believe me. Kid 1. No really man. What are you in for? Eric. I accidentally painted a mural in the guy's locker room. Kid 1. Bro. You're tripping. It doesn't even matter what you did. Eric. What did you do? Kid 1. I put a stink bomb in this one teacher's classroom. She was such a bitch and I got tired of her. You know? I should have done something worse like maybe put a laxative in her coffee or something. It would have been hilarious haha. Eric. That's not a bad idea. Kid 1. Are you one of the teacher's kids? Eric. Haha <laughs> no man. Why? Kid 1. You don't look like the kind of kid that's at summer school. I've been coming to summer school for the last two years. My mom's very proud. Eric. No way. My mom's proud too. Kid 1. Get out haha. <laughs> Eric. Voice over. I continued cleaning for about another hour and then I went home. Rosie, says me and her friend Lola, should hang out. Rosie, says that Lola, is suggesting Wendy's. I'm thinking this summer hasn't quite been what I've wanted it to be but I got about another week of summer cleaning and then it's back to doing nothing. Just like I like it. Oh I just remembered. I told my dad I'd cut the grass today. Dang it. I guess cut the grass today and tell Rosie. I'm free tomorrow. Oh wait. I got that dentist appointment tomorrow. It shouldn't take all day. If not the day after. It's summer after all and the limits are endless. The teacher enters the classroom. Teacher. I want all of you cleaning and keeping busy. This isn't the time or place to be chit chatting. Make friends somewhere else. Kid 2. Teacher. Excuse me? Kid 2. Nothing. Teacher. Okay. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Busy. Busy. That's what I thought. Eric. Yes ma'am. Teacher. Nobody likes a kiss ass. The teacher exits the classroom. Eric. And kid one laugh with each other. Eric. I bet she drinks black. Coffee. No creamer. No sugar. No flavor. Kid 1. Haha <laughs> what the fuck? What do you mean? Bro I swear you're random as hell. Eric. I am random but I like it. They continue cleaning the classroom as the screen goes black.